0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Overflow, From Him, Through Us, For All, as we explore Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth. Together, we'll focus our attention on the gifts of God and see that we're not meant to keep His blessings to ourselves, but to live as vessels of His abounding grace. Hallelujah, brothers and sisters. Let's go before our Lord right now in prayer. Father, thank you. We trust you, we love you. Thank you that we get to come here and worship you. Thank you for the privilege of bringing us here Before the presence of many witnesses to see our dear sister profess her faith publicly towards you, Jesus. What a privilege it is, what an honor it is that we get to be here. We give you all the glory, we give you all the praise because that name, Jesus Christ, is the name above every other name. Because that name, Jesus Christ, is the name at which demons flee. That name, Jesus Christ, is the name that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow one day that he is Lord. And it's in that name that we stand here today saying, thank you, Jesus. Everything we have comes from you. All the grace we ever could have needed, you're never gonna run out, Jesus. There is no scarcity in the kingdom of heaven. So we profess our love for you, we confess our need for you, and I pray now that as we seek your sacred scriptures, as we look to the word of God, Holy Spirit of the living God, that you would anoint our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our hearts to be good ground to receive that which you have allowed to go forth. Thank you. We love you. We give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor, because you and you alone are worthy, Lord Jesus. It's in your mighty name that we pray. Together we say amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together, friends. And as is always, let's continue to put our hands together as our kids make their way to kids ministry. Let's give praise for our kids, come on, as they go to kids ministry. Let's let them know how much they are appreciated, how much we love them. I don't know about you, but having kids sing next to us, that means so much, hearing it out of the mouth of babes, amen? I'm so glad we get to be here today. I'm so glad that Uh, A whole lot of you aren't experiencing the Easter hangover, right? Where people go to Easter and they don't come back to church the next Sunday. Y'all are good seasoned saints that you're here at least two weeks in a row. Hallelujah. I want to talk about a gift. You know, as we talk about this sermon series called Overflow... Uh, as we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 over the next five weeks, you can turn there in your Bibles to chapter 8. We're going to cover the first six verses today. If you didn't bring a Bible with you today, there's some at the connect desk uh, or the words will be on the screen right behind me. But you need God's word more than you need my word. Amen? Amen. Well, a couple people like me a whole lot. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Amen. How do you know you've received a gift? That if I were to give you, say, a million dollars cash, how would you know you received it, right? You could hold it in your hands. You may be able to look at it. You may deposit it in your bank account and you would see your checking account drastically increase. But how do you know that you've actually received a gift? I think with this gift, especially with a million dollars cash, you would know that you've received this gift once you started to use it, right? Because if I put it in your hands, I could take it away from you, right? If it was just in your bank account, how many of you uh, know that banks can take money out of your bank accounts? How many of you know painfully that banks can take money out of your bank account? But it would probably change your life, right? That once you received this gift and you began to spend it or invest it, that it would almost overflow out of your life, right? That everyone around you would be able to see, wow, they must have just received a gift, right? You would start picking up the check at dinner or lunch, right? Every single time you'd say, oh, I got this one. That it would overflow out of your life and people around you would be able to tell that there was something different about this gift that you received, And again, it would overflow out of you. It wouldn't just become a part of you, but it would become a part of you that's flowing out onto others around you, and it would affect much more than just the balance of your bank account. A gift like that would affect everything, wouldn't it? How do you know you've received the gift of the grace of God? Would that also affect everything in your life? The Bible says it should, that it is supposed to overflow out of us, that if we have truly received the grace of God through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, that it would overflow and it would affect everything in your life. So that question, how do you know you've received the gift of the grace of God? That's what we're going to be aiming at over the next five weeks, that we're going to ask and answer that question as we are in this series called Overflow. From God, through us, to all that's where all things come from from God through us to all not just through us and then we hold on to it but to all so as I've said we're going to study 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 over the next five weeks we'll be in the first six verses of chapter 8 today and where we pick up in this letter right Paul has written at least two letters to the Corinthian church that they've maybe been broken up in different ways but we've got them nicely wrapped in chapter and verse right in front of us here we're going to pick up about halfway through the second letter that he wrote, and for the first seven chapters of this second letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth, it was so much about God's comfort and how we as followers of Christ are supposed to live, because this church in Corinth was a church that was uh, manifesting great spiritual gifts, that they were receiving many gifts from the Lord and that these gifts were going out, that they were also a very wealthy church, a church that had a lot of opulence, that they were right on a, a shipping route or a trade route on an isthmus uh, called Achaia back in in the ancient days. That's where the church in Corinth landed and they had a lot of things. But the Apostle Paul now is writing to them with a couple motiva- motivations. He wants to tell them about a couple sister churches in the north, right? There's a little bit of northern-southern rivalry going on here between the churches in Macedonia, which would likely be Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea. These would be the churches that were in the northern portion of this bay in Macedonia, and then the church in Corinth was on the southern portion of this bay. And, and Paul talks again for seven chapters about how to live, and then these next two chapters he talks about how to give, how you should. Uh, if you've received the grace of God, how that should pour out of you in generosity. And what's going on at this time? He's going to look at these Macedonian churches. He's going to write about these Macedonian churches to these Corinthian churches because the church in Jerusalem, which was their sending church, right, that these were all mission churches. These were all church plants. But the church in Jerusalem sent them all out. But there was a a famine and persecution going on in Jerusalem. So the brethren in Jerusalem were in need of help. So the Macedonian Christians, the Corinthian Christians, Paul is saying, I want you to bless them, that we need to help our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And we're going to look at this Macedonian church uh, pretty early on, because that's what Paul is, is going to teach us through, and he's going to try to get the church in Corinth to give a gift, uh, a monetary gift, to give service, relief effort, but it's not a gift of guilt, and it's not a gift out of duty or anything. And I think that what we're going to see as we track today is grace received is grace given. Grace received is grace given, meaning it all came from somewhere, Amen. You didn't get anything on your own, right? It all came from somewhere. Grace received is grace given. And we're going to look at three ways that grace overthrow, overflows. Somebody say three ways. three ways. Three ways that grace overflows as we look at these first six verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's read the word of the Lord together. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he has started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. So we're going to look at three ways this grace overflows through these six verses. The first one is that grace overflows regardless of circumstances. Grace overflows regardless of circumstances. What are the circumstances that we see the Apostle Paul writing about in this church in Macedonia? Again, he says the grace of God has been given to this Macedonian church. And for those of us who have been in church for a while, understanding that the grace of God has been given to a church wouldn't sound like much of a surprise to us. It wouldn't sound like much of a shock to us. We know that spiritual blessings, the spiritual life, and salvation is a gift of grace that can only be given by God. No one has done anything to earn this. So when we see that the grace of God has been given among, this church, uh, among these churches, we're like, yeah, we get it, Paul. It's, it's all grace. Anything God does is grace. And we're even eager, I would say, all of us, to define grace as unmerited favor or undeserved love, as you've probably heard it said before and Paul here he uses this word this greek word charis grace 10 times in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 and he doesn't use it in just a way of definition he uses it almost as a word play sometimes where he's trying to really get us to the intersection of grace and generosity So he uses this word grace to really get our attention by saying the grace of God has been given to these churches. And he has a very concrete meaning, a very concrete manifestation of how the grace of God has been given to these churches in Macedonia, right? So this is a five-week series on generosity. So we're going to do a a little bit of a math problem. Is that okay? A couple of people. That's all right. I want to draw an equation out for you. I want you to tell me if it makes sense to you, if it squares to you, okay? It says, a severe test of affliction, extreme poverty, leads to an abundance of joy and an overflow of wealthy generosity. Does that make sense to us? A severe test of affliction and extreme poverty led to joy and more generosity? How does that? That doesn't make any sense to us. But that's exactly what Paul says is happening here in these Macedonian churches. He is saying that there is something seemingly strange going on. That through affliction and poverty, they got joy. And that joy led to generous giving. And I think that what we're seeing here is the Macedonian churches comprehending the grace of God through their afflictions saying that i know i'm afflicted but but jesus has given himself for me that there is an abundance of joy because of what has been given to me by god the father that no matter what i'm going through i can receive joy that no matter the difficulty i'm experiencing i can receive joy paul says the macedonians were given grace by god and and as we see this and even you may be tempted to think like that doesn't sound a whole lot like grace like severe tests of affliction and extreme poverty that does not sound like grace. That sounds like punishment. But even in their extreme poverty, they saw, you got to catch this, everything they had was from God. Everything they had was from God. If you have one dollar in your checking account or you got a million dollars in your checking account, all those dollars came from God. Amen? So he had this divine love and mercy that was being poured out on him. And we see now this gift of generosity, this gift of giving is spiritual in nature primarily. That it's not just I have money in my bank account and I give a certain percent to the church every week. No, that this is a spiritual gift because it's being lumped together with these spiritual giftings. And it's this amazing, uh, again, intersection of grace and joy and love and generosity resulting in giving even through suffering and poverty. Something we need to catch here about this equation of the Macedonian Christian's generosity. Nowhere in the New Testament is inward joy correlated to external circumstances. Nowhere in the New Testament does it say that my external circumstances should impact my inward joy. Now we may think that that's what that says in the Bible because how many of us when you have a bad day you become a little less generous? Yeah, a couple of people grunted because they didn't want to raise their hand. They're like, he's talking about you, right? That's okay. It's all right. We're going to keep it real here. It's a family day today, right? Anytime we're talking about money, it's a family day. Amen? Amen. We've championed that reality, not the New Testament believers. The New Testament believers, when there was persecution or affliction, it says that they went back and they prayed for boldness in the spirit to keep doing what they were doing that they would continue to preach and teach the gospel even through persecution and punishment. We are the ones, maybe not Woodside Bible Church in Pontiac, but other churches that you might know about, are the ones that have championed the reality of saying, my external circumstances are going to impact my internal joy. That if I'm having a bad day, I can't be generous. That if uh, if I'm having a good day, then, then I can afford to be generous. But as we think about true generosity, as we think about external circumstances and inward joy... I think there's one place that we need to continue to look, and we've already sung about this, right? Uh, the, the, The bridge in our first song was, this is our Savior, look at him. Christ our Redeemer, look at him. We have to look to Jesus as we begin to think about our own testimony with God. Because I don't know about everybody in here, but I would say this is probably true for the majority of us in here who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that he did not come to you on a day when you hit the lottery and that girl you've been wanting to go on a date with said yes and you got crowned the homecoming king and you were like, now I'm going to receive Jesus as my Savior after I have everything. No, for most of us, it's when we got brought low It's when we had no money in our bank account. It's when everybody rejected us. It's when we were having a very, very bad day that we see the victorious, risen Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what Paul is trying to paint here. As he paints this equation with the Macedonian Christians, he is saying that in their severe test of affliction, in their extreme poverty, joy came to them, and it was overflowed with generosity. Isn't that our exact story as we look at the cross? That in our severe test of affliction, afflicted by sin, destined for hell, in our extreme poverty, remember when Jesus says, blessed are the poor, he's talking about spiritually poor, spiritually impoverished, that joy comes to us and his name is Jesus and we can see, wow, that is real generosity So as we look at the Macedonian Christians I believe Paul is painting a micro picture Of the gospel here Saying that even in this, this is when Jesus Came, because Jesus didn't come To grant us comfort, did he? Jesus didn't come to grant us wealth and grandeur In our life, he didn't impute righteousness onto us so that we could live Our best life now While we are living our most abundant life now Amen? A couple of people are living their most Abundant life now, but Jesus came In a pretty bad day to grant us righteousness, didn't he? It wasn't when everything was flying high that Jesus gave us the greatest gift that we ever could imagine, himself. He says the son of man had nowhere to lay his head. That his purchase of redemption was a gift of grace that we received in spite of his circumstances. We received the greatest gift of all time on a day wrought with suffering, agony, and death. So even in a severe test of affliction and what might feel like spiritual poverty in a moment, we receive joy and generosity from Jesus. Paul writes in Romans that God shows his love for us when? In that while we were still sinners. Not once I got my life cleaned up and started coming back to church, that's when Jesus showed up. No, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when we look at generosity, This is our model for generosity. When we look at giving, this is the model for giving. When we look at uh, severe tests of affliction coupled with extreme poverty leading to joy and generosity, the first thing that should come to your mind is Jesus. That is it because he is our model. He is the one that we should be looking to for our understanding of generosity. But when we think about generosity, I think we've often got the shoe on the wrong foot. That we believe that generosity is completely dependent on circumstances. That we modulate our generosity based on how well or how poorly we might be doing in a moment. That we modulate our generosity saying, oh, I got my tax refund. How how many of you have seen a new car in your neighborhood in the last month? Come on. Okay. A couple honest people, right? And I'm not saying driving a car is bad, right? You should drive a car. If you need to get to work, you got to go places, it's okay. I'm not likening that to sin at all. But I am saying that when we use this terrible word, can I afford it? When it's linked to generosity, you already missed it. When it's linked to the generosity that God is calling you to, of course you can afford it if he's called you to it. You only have anything because he gave you everything. Right? So how can you afford it? By looking at him. He is the grace in spite of these circumstances. And, and I think that when we look at generosity and make it circumstantially dependent, then we miss it. But if we can get a true vision, friends, a true vision of the magnitude of love that God revealed in the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, toward wretched sinners like you and I, and really embrace that gift, then it can completely open our head, our hearts, our hands, our wallets, our homes, our families to be generous to everyone around us remember the series is called overflow from God through us to all everyone not just the people I like in church everyone God's generosity to us is supposed to be a blessing to the world around us that these resources that God has given us is meant to be grace to others this is what God has done for us in Christ but when we hear giving and generosity what's the first word that comes to mind come on be honest Money, giving and generosity, the first word that should come to mind is Jesus. That is the model of giving and generosity. And when we look at it that way, instead of you hear a a pastor stand up and say giving and generosity, and you're like, oh, here we go. All they want is my money. I drive a 1997 GMC Sierra with 248,000 miles on it, okay? I don't want your money, right? I want what God wants for your life, right? That is what I want more than anything, Make sure you're clapping for Jesus and not me. When we have a scarcity mindset, though, we miss it. When we think there's only so much to go around, we miss it. Is Jesus ever going to run out of grace? You can answer that if you know the answer. Is Jesus ever going to run out of grace, church? Is God ever going to run out of money? He owns the cattle upon a thousand hill. He has the the whole of the world in the hollow of his hand. Is he ever going to run out of anything? No, so when we look at Jesus to shape our understanding of generosity and giving, there is no ticket that is too big that God calls us to. Now, if you are asking, can I afford this Lexus when you have a Mercedes in the garage, maybe you should be asking those questions. But if it is about, God has called me to be generous, can I afford it? Yes, if he has called you to be generous, you can afford it. Whatever he says do, you do it and you don't feel bad about it. Whatever he says don't do, you don't do it and you don't feel bad about it. When we're walking with the spirit, this is what generosity should look like. And when we're understanding that grace received is grace given, that's how we can look to Jesus and truly understand what's going on. Let's look at our second point here, that grace overflows, not just Despite circumstances, but grace overflows beyond its limitations. Even that's an oxymoron. Grace overflows beyond its limitations. Let's read verses 3 and 4. For they, this is the Macedonian church, gave according to their means, as I, Paul, can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Begging us earnestly for the favor, or grace, of taking part in the relief of the saints. So this attitude, the Macedonian attitude of generosity, turned into giving, and they gave in two ways, primarily. The first way is that they gave according to their means, which that makes sense for all of us. The the Greek word there is dynamis, which means that they gave kind of according to their own power, or whatever they had to give, they gave it, that they weren't going to put themselves into poverty or starvation, or they were going to be uh, without everything. Paul goes on later in these two chapters to say, I'm not telling you to give so that you can be impoverished and others can live with comfort. No, it's so that there can be equal. Equality amongst us is, is why we give. That's why, that's why this happens. But it says here, the Macedonian Christians gave according to their means, and that's expected, right? Like, it is an expectant reality, so we should just say yes and amen to that. When we look at that, we're like, okay, they gave according to how they were supposed to. These are uh, good first century New Testament Christian church folk. Like, they're, they're supposed to do the right things. They're the ones we read about to try and fix our mess that we've got going on here. But second, they gave beyond their means. How can someone give beyond their means? If you don't have it, how can you give it? This is how grace overflows beyond its limitations. Because where you are limited, grace is not. Hallelujah. Where your life is limited, grace is not. The abundance of grace is not. The overflow is not. It's a deeper form of generosity where it says they gave above and beyond their ability. That they gave even more than they should have. This is hilarious generosity, right? That we're going to see Paul talk about this again a chapter later. But this is like hilarious generosity when you realize that everything you have has come from God and you see something somebody in need and you're like oh yeah here it is take it whatever it is I know God's going to continue to refill me back up so if you are in need and you are my brother or your sister I'm going to give it to you and I guarantee you I can't make many guarantees to you Jesus can make a lot I, can, I can't make many I guarantee you you have never met a generous person who's miserable I promise you You've never met somebody that has a heart of generosity that is upset about their circumstances because they realize where everything has come from. They wake up every morning and they say, whatever comes, God, you either give it or you allow it. Thank you. And if it's pain, thank you. If it's difficulty, thank you. If it's blessing, thank you, right? So whatever comes, we know that it comes from God. And then Paul gets really crazy here, right? The the Macedonian church gets really crazy here. He says they gave of their own accord, right? So they gave more than their means, even though they weren't coerced or forced to, that they wanted to do it. It was willful. And then in verse four, he uses this word grace again, but it says favor in our translation. It says that they were begging us earnestly for the grace of taking part in the relief begging them earnestly to give more than Paul and the missionaries thought they should give. What was the last time you begged to give money? Now I'm not again. There's a difference between prescription and description in scripture. Prescription means this is how you should do it. Description says this is how it happened. I do not believe Paul is saying that every New Testament Christian from this moment onward is supposed to give everything they have and beg to give and and give in a way that that it hurts necessarily and that there's a famine in Jerusalem, so you need to be giving money to the famine and the Jerusalem Christians all the time. That is not what Paul is saying here. The heart behind what Paul is saying is absolutely true. That hilarious generosity, giving according to our means, above our means, and begging earnestly to take Part in the relief, begging earnestly to take part in the translate, in, the, in the, the moving forward of the gospel, that is what we are called to do. That it overflows beyond limitations. That grace covers the bill. That when you see a bill that God has given to you, grace covers the bill if God has given it to you, right? You might have heard this statement and it's used all the time God's will. God's will be done. That's okay. All right. Maybe somebody's gone on a mission trip. God's will, God's yeah. bill. God's will, God's bill, God's will be done too, amen. Nobody's wrong, there's only right answers when you're talking about the Lord here, amen. (laughs) Grace covers the bill, grace motivates the bill, and what's our illustration? Again, look at the source of grace, look at Jesus. If grace overflows beyond its limitations, did Jesus stop at his limitations? No, he died. He bled to the last drop. He gave himself graciously. He gave everything freely and willingly because it was the will of his father. Paul says again in Romans, he who did not spare his own son. So God didn't spare giving his own son and he gave him up for us all. That he will not, will he not also with him, if he's given his son, will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If we know that God has given his son to us, he will give us everything. And here's where we have to have a a brief family meeting. Do I have time for this? Yes, Lord. There's a difference between tithing and giving. Tithing was an Old Testament command. It was an Old Testament law. And tithe, that word means tenth right so simply means tenth and it was much more difficult than on payday giving ten percent of your wages right if you had a field of cucumbers you gave a tenth of your cucumbers if you had mustard seeds you gave a tenth of your spices right that you if you had a a litter of puppies maybe you would have to give a tenth of the puppies i don't know i don't know how you would do that if there were less than ten of them i don't think they would want to do that but tithing was a law giving is the fulfillment of that law Now, tithing does not get abolished or repealed in the New Testament. Jesus does not say, don't do this anymore. He just calls it something bigger. He calls it giving now, where he says, you're no longer bound by law because if there's a law, what do you do? You obey the law and you do nothing beyond the law. You say, I've done the law, I have obeyed the law, and now I have fulfilled what I'm supposed to do. Giving has no law on it because there was no law on how much Christ gave. Because when Christ gave and we realized that we were wretched sinners who had nothing without him, we can look at our brothers and sisters and say, oh, I, I, I can give that, I can meet that need. God has blessed me with this resource. I can meet that need. I don't have to stop at saying, I paid 10% to the church this month, go talk to them. Get out of my face, right? Giving is something very different. Giving comes from a heart of generosity where you can look at Jesus Christ and you can see who he is and what he has done for us and what he has given to us. But this is something that we just miss, church. It's, it's a difference, a, a slight differentiation of words that we miss dramatically. And again, I'm not saying don't tithe. And as, as for me and my family, we do that. That's how we start. That's the floor of our giving. We say 10% of everything we earn prior to taxes, we will give. That's what we're called to do, so that's what we're going to do. And as for you and your family, whatever God's telling you to do, that's what I want you to do. I'm just telling you what our family does. But that's the, the floor of our giving, tithing. Beyond that, we say Oh, if there's a need and we have the resources to meet the need, what do we do? you got to meet it. If God is going to give you things to use for his glory, you have to use them. Otherwise, what's going to happen? He's going to stop giving them because he's going to see that you're filled up and you're just using it for your own self. But there is no limit to what he will do, to how he will pour out his grace to the movement of the gospel. So here's where we got to have a family meeting. More than half of the congregants at Woodside Bible Church, all of them, All 14 campuses of Woodside Bible Church, you know, 12,000 members, some 23 or 4,000 people in church or online today, uh, give $3.87 or less a week. Now, that's fine. If that $3.87 is like the widow's two mites, if that is what you have to give and that's the number that God has said to give, amen. You are doing better probably than the person that gave $60,000 this year. So it's not about the number at all, but I think we do need to talk about the heart behind that number. If in a church of, you know, 25,000 people, half or more are giving $3.87 a week or less, I just have a couple questions. Uh, can we talk about beverages real quick? Amen. If you spend more money at Starbucks than you do for the advancement of the gospel, I'm not talking about the offering basket in and of itself. I'm talking about advancement of the gospel, then your heart might be in the wrong place. And I'm not saying Starbucks is sinful. I'm also not saying it's not sinful. I just want to make that very clear. That if you're spending more money on a $6 latte, and you're one of the people giving $3.87 a week, you may just need to evaluate your priorities. That's all. I'm not, I'm not saying give six and buy a $3 drink. That's not what I'm saying at all. This is, again, not about money. It's about so much more than money. It's about your heart. Or perhaps I know there are many people, and I always do the negative illustration on this side of the church, so I'm sorry. It's uh, just the way my body moves. There are people that spent more than $3.87 on alcohol this week, on beer. Okay, <laughs> all right. Maybe we'll stick to the Starbucks illustration. Maybe you guys are just fancier. I, t- I, I said cognac to the 930 service, and they were like, oh, yeah, amen. <laughs> so what I'm saying is you just have to evaluate your heart. That no matter where you fall on the spectrum of giving, right, if, if you're giving $100,000 a year or you're giving nothing a year, what, whatever the case might be, It is between you and the Lord to evaluate your heart, to understand that everything you've been given comes from him. Who are we to be stingy when we only have anything because he gave it? So as the love of God in Jesus Christ through this cross captured your heart enough to overflow the limitations in your life. Because grace does that. Grace overflows the limitations. Grace overflows beyond circumstances. And thirdly, grace overflows as giving of yourself. Let's look at what these Macedonian Christians did in verses 5 and 6. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he has started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. Grace overflows as giving of yourself. So these last two verses show like the joy and shock of giving, of, of real generosity, of gospel-centered generosity. And perhaps Paul and the missionaries right? That they weren't expecting much, right? They knew it was hard over there. They saw what was going on in Macedonia. It said they had a severe test of affliction. It said that they were encountering extreme poverty. And then it says that they gave themselves. They gave according to their means. They gave beyond their means. And I think that Paul, it says he was shocked. It says that it wasn't what they expected. That they expected a little bit because of their circumstances. But the Macedonian Christians, specifically the churches in Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea, said, oh no. Jesus held nothing back so we will hold nothing back we are going to give ourselves fully to the Lord so that he can use us to achieve any need that he wants to how can this happen grace the grace of loan the overflow of grace is the only way that this can happen and this when I think about this this makes me like just godly proud of our church right that I think people would be tempted to look at a church of a couple hundred people on the east side of Pontiac and say "Ah, uh, no they're not gonna be able to give much. They're not gonna be able to, to help a bunch. They're, I'm not gonna expect a big old offering out of this church. And time and time again, again, I am so godly proud of our, I'm not even, not even proud to be the pastor. I'm proud to be a member of this church. I'm proud that this is my church, not because I'm the pastor, because I'm a member, because time and time again, we step up to the plate and we show up and show out and say, God, you have blessed us and we're gonna to continue to be a blessing outward. Anytime a need comes up, we are quick to meet that need. But church, there are needs all over the world all the time right i believe there's more we can do yes i'm proud i believe there's more i believe that there are more missionaries sitting in this church right now more people that we could sponsor to go to india or thailand or mexico more people that we could say we're gonna be more than just the east side of pontiac centric but we're gonna care about chinese believers we're gonna care about australian believers that we are going to impact the rest of the world no matter what we have because everything we have god has given it to us and the only way yeah come on give god praise The only way that can happen is if you first give yourself, not just your money. Money's the easy thing. You give yourself. So Paul says the Macedonian believers gave themselves in two directions. First, they gave themselves to the Lord. Second, they gave themselves to the relief of the saints. And how does this happen? They looked at Jesus and said, you gave me you. Everything I have. I only have life because of you. I'm only drawing breath because of you. Every dollar I have, whether it's one or 10 million, came from you. So when I look at everything I have, when I look at my helpless condition before the Lord, the question I should be asking myself is who am I not to be generous? When everything I have, when He gave me everything, but where this is difficult for us is when we haven't actually received the gift. When maybe you've just heard about the gift, maybe you've seen somebody else have the gift but the gift of of the grace of God actually received. We've been talking about this for a couple weeks that I believe God has the majority of our souls, but I don't know that God has all of our lives. I don't know if we've given him all of our life or if there's certain things that are just off limits, right? If I compartmentalize my life and say, you know what, God, my Netflix playlist, that is between me and me, that you don't get to have any of this. I'm gonna watch whatever I wanna watch. Or God, I'll give you my disposable income. Do you know what that word means? It means trash I'll give you my trash I'll give you the leftovers I'll give you what I can afford To give back to you After you've given it all to me And again this is not about An offering basket church It's about so much more Jesus didn't send someone else To deal with our need Jesus didn't just send a check To deal with our need He gave himself First to the Father's will And then to that very same will To the cross for us So you have to first give yourself to the Lord. Otherwise, what's going to happen? If you don't have this vertical giving, your horizontal giving is going to be for show. Your horizontal giving is going to be out of insecurity or insincerity or hypocrisy. If we're giving just so other people can see it, but we haven't given ourselves to the Lord first and foremost, then we're just doing what we want to do, not being used for what he's trying to do in our lives. Paul said to his spiritual son, Timothy, when he was teaching him how to be a pastor, he said there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. So the last couple questions that we've got to deal with before uh, Colton leads us in worship again is, have you actually received the gift of God's grace? Have you actually received the gift of the son? Or have you just been coming to church? Have you actually received... Jesus, as the sacrifice for your sins, the only one who can purify you, the only one who can make you whole, the only one who can look at your life and say, yeah, I still want all that, and I can put you right with my Father. As you confess your sin, repent of your sin, and confess that he's Lord and God raised him from the dead. This is real generosity, church. Real generosity and real giving is looking at Jesus. It's not something you can earn. So if you have received it, then you would be able to say, like the Macedonian Christian said, I'm yours, God. All of me. Every part of me. Every room in my house. Every place I go to. Every classroom or office space I sit in. I am all yours. Every single part of me. Use me however you want to use me to advance the gospel. But I think the problem that many of us run into is that we hold ourselves back in these compartments. That we say sometimes implicitly, I don't trust you God because I've been let down by everyone in my life so I don't trust you because my parents let me down because my husband or my wife let me down because that other pastor at that other church let me down so I can't trust you God. What this ultimately is is grace will overflow if you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Actually trust him for everything. Not just for church on Sunday. Not just to clap and say amen and hallelujah for 90 minutes at a time. I'm not saying that's what you guys do, right? That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying, it's not my responsibility to make sure you guys all figure this out. It's my responsibility to tell the truth to you. And I'm gonna stand up here and tell the truth to you about I know that there's at least one person in here holding back. I know that there's at least one person in this room saying, yeah, I'll give God some of this because I gotta have my fun money. Don't you know how much fun you would have as a partner with God for the gospel? <laughs> There's nothing more fun. Somebody asked me a few months ago with, with our three children under five uh, and being at church all the time, what do you do for fun? And I was like, Are you? I'm having a blast. I'm like, this is amazing. This is the most fun I could ever be having. Like, what? this is awesome. This is it. Raising kids, loving my wife, watching God take us to places that we never thought we would be. And this is for every single one of us. Generosity is not reserved for the few. It is for every single one of us. Because if you have put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ, he has put his indwelt Holy Spirit inside of you, gifting you for the work of the ministry. And if you don't think you're gifted for the work of the ministry, that's not God's fault. That's your fault. Because there is a spot for every single person. Every single person can partner with what's going on here. it's not just about money. It's about service to strangers. It's about service to people that you think are your enemies. It's about swinging a mop or swinging a broom or serving in kids' ministry or picking up a piece of trash in front of you or letting somebody in on the freeway. Amen. All of us. All of us. And I see this because I get to meet with most of you. I see amazing gifts. Unbelievable gifts like portraits of God's beautiful grace, and people think, well, I'm not good enough. I'm like, well, no, God God made you this way. He made you good enough. You're good enough by His stripes. You're good enough by His Holy Spirit. You're good enough by this cross to serve Him. You don't have to have perfect answers. You just need to be alive in Christ, and people will follow you, because that's what people want. So when all of us have been granted gifts and passions and wealth and and the gifting of the Holy Spirit, but we only give the church our attendance, if that, we need to evaluate our hearts, church. We need to evaluate what is going on. So the, the bottom line is, have you received the grace of Jesus Christ? If you have, this grace will absolutely overflow out of your life this grace will overflow beyond your circumstances. And you'll know it's overflowing because when you get met, met with bad news, you say, hallelujah, Jesus, that, that just means more good news. That just means the good news is gonna shine brighter. When this grace is overflowing in your life, it goes and exceeds beyond the limitations because you'll begin to look at your life and say, there's no place God can't take me. There might be places that I can't get myself and that's protection, but there's no place God can't take me. The limitations on God are zero. And then when you look at generosity overflowing as a giving of yourself, that's when it starts to, to look a little bit different. So these are the offering baskets, right? They're back on these tables over here uh, and I'm not holding them up just because I wanna make sure you know what they look like, right? Uh, I'm, I wanna show you the example of what it means, right? Of what's, what's, ap- what's actually happening here, right? Is that when you have received the grace of Jesus Christ and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's His grace in your life, and you know that the only reason you have anything, that whenever you walk past an offering basket, whenever you wake up and you're ready to give your offering to the Lord, it won't just be reaching in your pocket, you will step in and you will say, I am offering everything I have. I'm giving all of me, every part of me, all my intellect, all my passion, all my money, all my talent, all my family, my house, everything, because it all belongs to Jesus, because the only reason I have it it's because of Jesus. So when you hear generosity and you hear giving, don't think money, church. Don't be, don't be narrow-minded. Don't be short-sighted. Think Jesus. Because he gave everything to us. Who are we to hold back generosity when he says, son, daughter, I've got something for you to go to. I want us to be like that church, those churches in Macedonia where people are like, how are they giving that? How are they doing that? I, I thought Pontiac was, was broke. I thought Pontiac w- was poor. I didn't think anything good could come out of Pontiac what there's missionaries going out of here there's pastors being raised in this church there's worship leaders being raised in this church there's elected officials and fortune 500 ceos and people changing the world from this little teeny tiny church of a few hundred people in pontiac that is what jesus will do if you let him that is what he will do in your life if you let him but you got to get out of the way and you got to blow those compartments out of the water Because really, and we use this illustration all the time, your life is like a big waffle, okay? Waffles have compartments in them. Jesus is supposed to be the syrup, right? It's supposed to pour over every single compartment. And you know what a dry compartment tastes like. It's scratchy and no good. But when it's saturated in syrup, when it's saturated in the Holy Spirit of the living God, oh, it's so tasty. The whole world says, oh, I want more of that. I need more of that. Whatever you have, that's what I want. This is what giving and generosity is all about overflow from God through us to all we're going to sing a song called I don't have much and the song applies to every single one of us even if you're a multimillionaire in here today that's just money that stuff can go away like that the song says I don't have much but I have a heart that beats for you I don't have much but I have a life I'll give to you Let's stand to our feet as I close us in a word of prayer, and we're gonna worship our King. And these are gonna be more than words on a screen, church. It's gonna be the cry of our heart. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have given us yourself. That real generosity, real giving is found in you, Jesus. It's not found in a bank account, it's not found in stock options, it's not found in luxury cars. Real generosity is found in you, Jesus, and you, when you live inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God, we begin to become generous as you are. When we've really been touched by you, Jesus, we don't have to try to be generous. We are living through you. You are the one living through us. It is no longer we who live, but you who live in us, through us. So I pray that we would offer ourselves to you today. That means everything. Even the little things we hold on to that we think nobody notices. Even the little compartments that we neglect to allow you to come into, God. Please, take us today, all of us. Everything we have for the sake of your glory. Everything we have for the sake of your gospel. Please, may we not be working and toiling toward our plan. May we work and toil toward your plan. Because there's nothing more fun than watching the gospel of Jesus Christ go forward. We love you. I praise you, God. I thank you. And we ask in your mighty name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's worship him, church.